The Amanda Wagner Podcast is the place to eavesdrop and participate in conversations about making choices around how you spend your time, who you surround yourself with, and figuring out what you want to be known for. This is a place to talk about the challenges of bravery, living thoughtfully and strategically, and finding a way to be known for something that matters. In this episode, we share our experiences of living by default and explain what that means to us. We consider what good enough might look like and how it's an interesting place to be. And we quote Mean Girls, as well as my dad, Brian Wagner, as we talk about limits and invitations. And in a special edition, today we're flipping the script and talking to Martin, who has a question for Liz. So in WWLPD, we answer Martin's question about tips for navigating social media in trying times. When you think about your life, do you feel like you have it pretty good? You have a family that fills your tank. You have a well-paying job that helps you lead the life you want. And when asked if you love your life, you're happy to say that it's good enough? Alternatively, you've jumped on the gratitude trend and feel like because you have so much to be grateful for, it would be unreasonable or greedy to be wanting more? These are ideas that are swirling around in my mind, and I really want to talk about this idea of good enough. And I'm putting it in air quotes, which of course you can't see, but the tone of my voice will probably help lend itself to this, uh, to my explanation of it. The idea of being good enough or doing good enough has been on my mind a lot, um, but it's also been a source of frustration in the last few years. So a little bit of background information. My last career working for someone else full-time was for an education technology startup company. I was the seventh member of the team. I was the first female. And as the company grew and tripled in size, I became the sales director for the UK and Western Europe. This job ticked so many boxes for me. Number one, I had a lot of flexibility. We had a beautiful office downtown and I had to be in by 9.30 every day. So whether I came in at 7.30 or at 9.29, I had that flexibility. I also had regular travel. I went to Europe at least twice a year. It was the first time I've been able to see Norway, Sweden, Denmark, Finland. I got to do some pretty glamorous things. And I really liked a lot of the people that I worked with. I got to work with people who were similar to me. We were young. A lot of us don't or didn't have kids. And so when we traveled and when we got together, we had a really good experience. We worked in an office where we had beer o'clock on Fridays and like a typical startup company had the ping pong table. Now, in August 2017, I was laid off completely by surprise. I had been there for almost four years And while I won't go too deep into that conversation, but am very happy to talk about, I will say that I went for drinks with my former boss about a year later. And I explicitly said to him, I'm not going to go so far as to thank you for letting me go, but I'm really glad I'm doing what I'm doing now because I'm not sure I would have quit. For all intents and purposes, my life was good enough. I was making money. I had a flexible job. I was respected. Uh, My partner and I had a really good stride in our work life and our home life. At some point, 
I feel like I have to consider when good enough wasn't good enough anymore. And when I think about if I would have quit, I really can't imagine myself doing that. And part of that was tied up in the startup mentality. I remember saying to uh, my coworkers and to the owner of the company that I always envisioned us having this glamorous startup IPO. And I envisioned it being like the final scene in Ocean's Eleven, where they've successfully robbed the casino, or in the case of Startup Land, successfully been bought out by a big company. And we're all at the Bellagio watching this emotional waterfall, and we walk away with our duffel bags of money. <laughs> That's how I always dreamed it would end. And so I wanted that so badly for the company and for what we had built that I couldn't imagine myself leaving it. There is a point though, and I don't know when it would have hit, where putting all of my energy and all of my dedication into something that didn't light my fire, for example, education technology, it didn't feel good enough anymore, or it wouldn't have. So instead of getting caught up in what I would have done or setting a timeline on how long would I have stayed there, I was really satisfied with that job, but I realized only after that it just was one more thing in a logical progression of like what you do. So I call this living by default. So for example, I went to university, I got a professional job, I ended up going back to school, I got another job, I just did what you do. And I really thought that surely that would have satisfied me. And in a lot of ways it did. Where it gets scary and exciting is when I think about what happens when something that checks all the boxes is taking away from the boxes that you really want to check, but maybe haven't written down or you didn't pay enough attention to or think that they were valid or valuable for any reason. In late 2019, I had a really tough conversation with Coach Jenny about the idea of enoughness and if I will ever find my version of enough because God knows I have to-do lists like you wouldn't believe. I have the list of things that I want that is always growing from really material things to big picture things like speaking to audiences of tens of thousands of people. But at what point am I going to get to the end of that list? Will there ever be a moment where I've checked all the boxes? And now through having some of these conversations and thinking about it, even though I'm now making choices and not just living by default, I don't think there will ever be a, a version of enough for me. In the wise words of Katie Heron from Mean Girls, the limit does not exist for what I want and what I'm willing to do to get there, there isn't really a limit. I don't think there will ever be a final checkbox on the list where I put my feet up and say, there, I'm done. I'm enough. I've done enough. It's finished. This has been a real game changer for me in terms of my thinking because the idea of living by default means that just because things are good enough, I kept saying yes to opportunities. I kept going in that direction. It turns out for the type of person I am, somebody who is fiercely ambitious, 
I want to be the next Oprah. I have something to say and I'm building a platform to say it on. I can't just passively wait for that. I have to actively find my way. As promised, I'm going to talk about my dad, Brian Wagner. What a gem of a man. He uh, once won a contest for being the cutest baby. Come on, really? Hot tip about Brian Wagner. He did, yeah. And we have the picture. He was indeed a very cute baby. He photographs beautifully. Uh, Instagram content will now include a picture of my dad. Brian Wagner has this language of waiting for an invitation. What that means is that when I would drive with my dad, I would be the passenger and he would slow down the car to let somebody in or to wave traffic along. And when he would wait and that person wouldn't go, he would always jokingly say, what are you waiting for? An invitation? And bless Brian, who probably has no idea that I've given so much thought or attention to this. But this idea of waiting for an invitation has stuck with me so intensely and so meaningfully because what am I waiting for? An invitation? I know I have something special. I know that as cheesy as it sounds, the world needs what I have, yada, yada, yada. And I know that nobody is going to come and hand it to me. Nobody is going to ring my doorbell and say, this is the right time to go for it. Or specifically call me and say, this is it. This is your chance to do a TED Talk. This is the right time to write your book. I'm never going to get that invitation. So I have to write my own. I've decided that good enough isn't good enough for me or for my people. These are the people who want to do big things and have big ideas and valuable thought leadership or ways of thinking about the world. My people don't settle for good enough. LP, I've taken a lot of the airtime here. Is there anything that you think you've been waiting for an invitation to do or to start doing? When I think of things that I've been waiting for an invitation to do or things from my past that I needed to start doing, I know I've talked about it a few times on the podcast, was to go out on my own with my career. Mm-hmm. So I worked full, I worked full time for somebody else for just about 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, I could have kept doing both. I could have kept working for somebody else and doing my own thing on the side, but I went out on my own and I'm so thrilled that I did because life is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Life is pretty good. Oh, you have Kleenex. Yeah. I, I think a lot about this, this invitation piece and there is a, a night that will live in infamy for you and I in the Costco yep. cafe <laughs> yep. on Costco uh, hot dogs, Costco hot dogs, where we had a good cry. Yeah. I'm so I mean, glad you're out on your own, but I also I'm, know yeah. that you couldn't have done that unless it was something you chose. That's right. I did choose it, but in a way you offered a little bit of that invitation, right? Like you've always kind of been the person that says, you know, you can do this. So in a way, you you were a little bit of the Brian Wagner invitation there. So that's something from the past that I, I went for it. And I'm so, so glad that I did. I mean, I was trying to think of some other things as examples. And this one, it's not on the same level as, as making a, a massive career shift. But I'm training for my first half marathon right now. And that's I've huge. always... 
I've always thought that, you know, like that would be cool to do one day. It would be really freaking hard, but I think that I would feel great to be able to accomplish that. And I registered for Seawees, the half marathon in Vancouver. And the way that it works, I mean, it's virtual now, but the way that that race works is it's a lottery. So you just throw your name in and if they pick you, then you have the chance to register. So I was like, well, this is the easy way into softly approaching half marathon is I'll just throw my name in there. I'll be (laughs) one of tens of thousands of people who throw my name in and shit, they pulled my name. I guess this is the time to pull the trigger and to go for it. So that's, that's something that I've just decided to start doing on my legs constantly feel like concrete. They're very heavy and tired, but I'm doing the thing. And I'm probably going to be slow when I run that race in August, but I'm doing it. And it's something I've always thought about doing. And so it sounds like, yes, you got an invitation. You won that lottery in some capacity, but the choice you made was to throw your name in to begin with. That's right. Yeah. I remember even, I say this like I'm a wise old sage. I remember six months ago thinking, I'm waiting for my invitation to do the podcast. I'm waiting for somebody to tell me that they think my ideas are valuable. They think I have something to say that somebody would love to listen to my nasally voice or at least cope with listening to my nasally voice. And I kept having to search for that validation. And I remember in, I was part of an online group and I remember week after week going in and saying, what do you want to hear me talk about? If I were to do this, what could I say? And constantly looking for somebody else to say, Amanda, this is it. This is the topic. Because for some reason, I didn't have the confidence or the strategy to pull it out myself. And so now when we are recording and releasing episodes, it's a lot of permission giving and invitation writing. I think about what what else might I be waiting for? And even launching this brand I did not feel ready to do it. And I, in some ways, felt disappointed that I didn't have a big quote unquote capital L launch party for it because it happened sooner than I expected. And not just did it happen, but I made it happen soon because I had to think about how long I was willing to wait. This makes me think of one of my favorite books by Anne Lamott. It's called Bird by Bird, Some Instructions on Writing and Life. And she says, I don't think you have time to waste not writing because you are afraid you won't be good at it. And that's often how I feel whenever I'm going to start something new. So starting the podcast, launching the new brand, how much time was I willing to waste before I did it? How many months or years was I going to put off doing the thing that has always been kind of niggling in the back of my brain going, this is worth something. I have something to say. I remember it was more than 10 years ago. I was at teachers convention in my city, which is a big organization that puts together two days of professional learning and development for teachers. And I remember seeing the keynote speaker. I can vividly remember her talk. And I said to a professor of mine at the time, because I was a student teacher, I said to her, one day I want to be the keynote speaker. I just need to find something to talk about. Because I didn't know what the thing was, but I've always known my magic is in my communication. My magic is in speaking to people and getting them to like buy in and come to my side. 
There is nothing more exciting than finishing a talk and getting to chat with people after and hearing them say, I feel like we should be friends. That's what tells me that I've done my job when I've, able to, when I've been able to connect with someone. And I love what I do at The Compliment, but I don't want to talk about customer experience forever. And nobody was going to write the invitation and say, you're allowed to do this now. So we want to know, is there an invitation that you've been waiting for to do what you want? I'm curious to see what would that look like? What are you waiting for? Is there a specific timeline or do things have to be in place before you do it? And more importantly, we want you to write your own invitation. Liz has created a beautiful invitation template that we invite you to fill out and write it for yourself. I'm here writing my own invitation to write a book. I'm writing an invitation to be the next Oprah. I don't know how, but I do know I'm going to do it. And I do know I'm going to have to find my own way. What matters most is that I'm not waiting for anybody else's permission. Ordinarily, at this point in the podcast, I would introduce WWAWD or What Would Amanda Wagner Do? But things are a little bit different today. It's my turn and I am very happy to put Liz in the hot seat here because we have a question that is directly for her. So today's question comes from Martin who says, hi LP. Oh, I love that other people call you LP now. Me too. Stick it in. Uh, So Martin says, hi LP, as a digital communicator, do you have any tips for navigating social media right now? I feel so drained by the amount of content coming in about the news health updates, and constant changes. It's almost draining to put up a strong front on social media when I myself want to hibernate and just do nothing. Got any tips for how to navigate this without being a super bummer or a totally fake poster during these trying times? What do you think, LP? That's a wonderful question and something that I think a lot of people are struggling with. And I totally appreciate the fact that you don't want to be a super bummer because I think that's a great way of personifying. (laughs) Uh, So my first suggestion was just be honest, be real. No one expects you to post every day. There aren't rules. This isn't something that you necessarily have to do. If you're having a tough go, I don't recommend going silent on social media, but put a post up to just be like, you know what? Life's tough right now. I'm kind of struggling with this. I'd like to step away from social and I have a feeling that I'm not the only person who feels this way. Um, So it's okay if you feel that way because that's how how I'm dealing right now as well. I think with social media, there is a lot of fakery out there. And I think people always appreciate when you're real. So if you're having a rough go, I think it's cool to be open about that and just say, you know what, I don't want to, I don't want to do this. I'm not inspired by social media. I'm frustrated by it. And people might resonate with that. You can also scale back. You know, we all check our phones how many times a day. I've stopped looking at the screen report because it's depressing. It's so depressing. Yeah. Sunday mornings when that comes in, it's like a, a moment of intense judgment on myself. So scale back, set some sort of parameters for yourself that you can only look at it when you eat your lunch. 
or you get 20 minutes to check it after dinner or, you know, kind of set some guidelines for yourself to make that a little bit easier. Instagram has a setting where you can set a timer and it will let you know when you've spent that, that much time in the app that day. If you set that timer, follow it. I used to set that timer and then ignore it. Um, so if you're going to use the setting, use the setting. You can also unfollow the people that are posting things that make you feel shitty. So oh, if, you this know, is so such if good advice. If there's someone who is being a super bummer on your feed, get them out of your feed, you know, just try to remove yourself the best way that you can. You can also mute hashtags too. So if there's content that you don't want to see, you can go through your Twitter settings or through your Instagram settings and hide some of that stuff to protect yourself, some of that self-preservation. So there are things that you can put in place to protect yourself from the things you're seeing. And then I would recommend if you need some space, give yourself some space and don't post. Don't feel like you have to. You never want to go silent, especially if you're a business. You never want to go silent. Right. But there's no problem with scaling back and being honest as to why you are. That's a fantastic answer. And I'm glad you addressed if like whether it's personal or business sometimes just completely removing yourself can come with its own challenges. So I know for me, and you and I have this conversation often, when I am feeling overwhelmed by social media or just not interested in it, when it becomes what I, something I have to do, that to me is a signal that it might not be where I want to put my energy right now. So I, I really pay attention to when something is a have to versus a, I get to do this. I get to scroll Instagram and I enjoy it versus, Oh, I have to go through this. Definitely. Yeah. And I mean, it, yeah, it can just be a matter of shifting your perspective. And if you enjoy social media, but you're just not loving the content you're seeing, use those settings to kind of filter out what shows up on your feed to make it a little bit of a better environment for you. Yeah. That mute button is magical. To me, it's like, (laughs) it's like the easy version of unfollowing. So thank you so much, Martin, for your question. It was a delight to be able to be in the hot seat today and to answer a question. Um, We will return to WWAWD in the next episode of the podcast. So please keep submitting your questions. You can send them uh, via Instagram. Uh, via DM or as a comment on a post, or you can visit theamandawagner.com, find the contact info there and send us your questions. We are here today asking you to stop waiting for an invitation and instead write your own. Give yourself some permission to share your big game-changing ideas and find your own way forward. So check out the invitation that we have posted on our Instagram. We would love to hear something that you want and what you are going to forge ahead and do. And of course, thank you for joining us for today's episode. Because we live by Don't Ask, Don't Get, please follow along with us on social media at The Amanda Wagner. Sign up for the monthly newsletter at theamandawagner.com and subscribe to the podcast. We know that when you subscribe, the only thing that's in it for you is that you get it as soon as it comes out. Not that persuasive, but if you like it, please keep doing it. And of course, leave us a review. We will be back in two weeks, same time, same place. Until then, see you on the internet.